All right. If you guys are ready, I'm going to do the thing. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, no, wait. What? Michael, the screen is frozen on your smart look. Yeah. So right <laughs> <laughs> it froze right when you did that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Welcome to Michael and Ethan in a room with scotch that Jacob is also in. Um, I just the scotch of the room. Uh, it's interpretive. <laughs> um, I wanted to. I don't know. I don't know if that was clever or not. Anyway, uh, we're Michael and Ethan, but also Jacob is here. Uh, Hello. As you know, be- because you listened to the last episode, um, because you wouldn't like. Listen, start listening to an episode that said part two on it without having to listen to part one. Um, of course, we not. are joined for this. You're not a fool. Exactly. We are joined <laughs> for this fired. episode. But only. <laughs> no, I'm complimenting my listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're not a fool. Sure. Shots fired only at people who don't. <laughs> if they did, yeah, show. I'm thinking like, what if you? What if they did that? I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, but I'm saying it's something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, this was your cue then to, like, stop the episode before now, before we've really doubled down on insulting you, and then go back and listen to part one. Um, so, now, now that we've lost all of the Jacob comforts of the so, world, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say you've lost them. I mean, it's no big loss, maybe. Did we ever have them? No, no. Seems like a philosophical question. Um, <laughs> and this is a podcast that's not about philosophy. It's about books and not scotch. Even though scotch is in the title, and that's confusing. Um, and books is not in the title. Yeah, and that's also confusing. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you for joining us once again, Jacob, to discuss Babbitt Part 2. Well, for Part 2 of our discussion of Babbitt, there's only one Babbitt. I don't know. For um, now. <laughs> That's what I'm going to promote at the end. I'm I'm writing the sequel to Babbitt, yes. Babbitt Part 2. Do not threaten me with a Great. good time. Um, <laughs> Judgment which, Day. Which I mean that both about your promotion and your creation of Babbitt Part 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I'm supposed to introduce the scotch at this point, according to the bullet point that I think I'm on. Um, mm-hmm. And the scotch... That we are all three drinking uh, is mm-hmm. Old Pulteney single malt Scotch whiskey, aged twelve years, robust with a delicate hint of sea air. Um, I don't think that last one is part of the title, but it was like the th- next line after the other things I read, so I just read it. Um, so wait, once we clink, we can't talk about the Scotch. Can I, can I just say a brief word right. about it right now? We are going to re- we're gonna we're gonna rate it at the yeah, end. Yeah, rate it oh, review okay. at the end. Okay. So. So yeah, I will wait. Okay, perfect. I, I do have something to say about it before we start. Okay. So the thing you because, just told Jacob and, he couldn't do, you're yeah, going to wait. Do. <laughs> I needed the floor to myself. 
<laughs> no, so I, I, I mentioned this, I think, to you, Ethan, uh, previously. I don't think in recording, but um, one of the uh, Scotch books I have uh, by Blair Bowman um, suggests drinking this scotch as one would a margarita that is with salt on the rim that's right oh and Hmm. the previous episode i did not drink it with salt on the rim but this episode i am going to drink it with salt so really a power move told jacob not to do the thing and like introduce this idea without giving either of us a chance to do the same thing the opportunity to prepare as you have prepared Let's the, see, I got my plate of salt. Oh, oh my gosh. Covering the rim in. Just this, rub the salt right in our faces. Come mm, on. I'm rubbing oh, that salt God. in that wound. All right, right this there. is a family show. I was. Oh, yeah, sorry, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jacob. Okay, I, 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 I was going to say that the. I don't know if I would do the salt, actually. I mean, I, I can see the recommendation, but I was going to say one thing I love about it is the. Um, I don't want to call it like sea i mean it's sea salty it's like a sea sea what does yeah. it say sea air sea breezy yeah. like sea it gives air. a bright yeah. refreshing like sea saltiness of like being right on the ocean and a, a cool breeze just like wafts up in your face Absolutely. it's oh just the slightest hint of of that which is remarkable i've never tasted that before absolutely i agree hey, and i'm not gonna let you people pull me into doing my review before it's review time oh okay yeah <laughs> no i know this was a trap between the uh, two tried to that you pressure him and it didn't work uh and i'm not gonna do it so let's uh let's have my wife uh come in and read the rules hey wife come in and read the rules please rule one once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink the scotch must not be mentioned at any time if anyone mentions it they lose rule two no one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule 3. Ethan must never say the phrase, first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule 4. Michael must never say the words, vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule 5. If anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. Rule number 6. The wives are entitled to one glass of scotch or some equivalent beverage. Rule number 7. If four scotch-centric episodes pass with no losses, then everyone loses. And what happens if someone breaks the rules? If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. Thank you. Uh, and now? Oh, we do need a refresher on the new rule, as we mentioned last episode... Tradition for a guest of this show is that they get to make a rule for the episode or episodes that they are on. Um, so, Jacob, please remind us of your rule. Sure. I'm going to pour my scotch. Yeah, we, we threw a lot um, at you all, all at once. Yeah. By the way, this whole um, like prohibition 
deal like i think it's great for those that need <laughs> yeah. it you yeah. know you know like the for the, the the bums the working classes that are driven to drink but for guys like us you know enlightened fellows like you know true right. hard-working citizens like we can we can mm-hmm. have this scotch you know despite right. prohibition right. the rules now we we make our own anyway. rules as we just yeah we just oh yeah learn absolutely and we follow, and we follow them. them. Yes. Except in most cases. When I unforcibly didn't follow them immediately. <laughs> and you were appropriately shunned. Well, from I, I was punished. And we oh, welcome oh, you I back see, now. I can I Thank can you. I give my rule, yes. please? Man, you're yes. <laughs> Oh, so when I <laughs> you invite when me I on, asked you for it. And then you <laughs> You didn't want to do it because you were pouring the thing. But now you do. Yes. <laughs> and now I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you're going with me on this. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, we make our own rules because we are the Good Citizens League, and that is my rule. All of us must join the Good Citizens League, which means that we all came up with names, our our Zenith citizen names, and we also have a, a peppy nickname that we have given ourselves and an occupation. And we, the rule is we have to join the league, and so we have to come up with these things, and we must call each other only by our nicknames for the extent of the episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ethan, would you like to go first to introduce absolutely. yourself as a citizen and of thank Senate? God for the name I came up with for myself, because I didn't write it down, but I do remember that it was William Williamson. <laughs> You did yourself a favor. Uh, And I go by Bill to my family and people I don't like that much but pretend to for the sake of advancing myself in business. But my real nickname, my good citizenly nickname, is Buzz. My occupation is bookseller. I only sell upright, good American books. Um... That I would say span the margin from somewhat far to the right of the political spectrum to sort of the center right of the political spectrum. Really get a variety of opinions in. Hey, so, that's good range. Variety, yep. You need that variety. You yeah. sell all the the full variety of all exactly. the correct Thank thoughts. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's right. <laughs> oh. Is I mean I think that's your motto, isn't it? Isn't yeah, that on the yeah, sign? The, um, I wanted yeah. to repeat it in my own voice, but I forgot what you just said. But it was very good, and it is the motto on my side. Full variety of all thank the you. correct thoughts. Yes. Now we've now two yeah. of the three of us have said. No, thank you, Buzz, for your service to Zenith. Yes, this is an important work. <laughs> How would we know what to think? Exactly, like I said exactly. last episode, if we only liberals books, then only liberals would have books. That's exactly what I said. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I forget who goes uh, next. Uh, as our guest, uh, uh yes. Oh, should yes. I go next? Okay. I couldn't decide, okay. I couldn't figure yes, out sir. what to call you because I didn't want to lose again, but. Right. Well, and I called you by. Oh, that's right. Okay. Glasses okay. Yet. okay. Yeah. So uh, I realized I had called you yeah. Ethan, um, but yeah, we haven't cleaned glasses that's yet, fair. so that that's fine. Uh, so yes, my name is Lester Graves. People call me Leaky. It's an old nickname back to mortuary school, uh, and that is what I do for a living. I'm a funeral director. Well, the the best and finest, the most honest funeral director in this grand city of Zen. Excellent. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am Bradford Kip Carlson. Goes uh, goes by Kip, uh, and I'm a car car salesman. Uh, and it occurred to me, uh, Leaky, that with your nickname there of uh, Leaky Graves, yes, and the fiasco that we played, I didn't do this intentionally, but the Bradford Hotel. Oh, in there. yeah. My first, first name is Bradford. You're right. And your nickname yeah, no, with your last name sounds kind of like a cowboy name. <laughs> it does. It does, doesn't it? Kip Carson. All right. We've yeah. had enough uh, promotion so of us play Fiasco on this show, <laughs> which I wouldn't normally say about a show that's also on our network, but uh, Leaky there said some pretty hurtful things at the end of the last episode. <laughs> and like elephants, Michael and I... Um, um never mind anyway kip thank you oh. yes thank you kip and i nice. don't yes. forget that's what i was gonna say uh <laughs> anyway right i i'm happy to amend my opinion because buzz you've given me the correct <laughs> thought and i will say us play fiasco is the thank second you. best podcast and i am i am oh, going to grab that audio go. and put it at after that Pokemon, Pokemon. One. that Pokemon one. We better clean glasses. I don't know how that's going to save okay. this situation, okay. but we just better. So that said, here's mud in your eye. Hey, Prost. Skunk. The... I like that toast. That's like a very 1920s, 1930s the movie kind of toast. It's a, I think it's a New head. Orleans toast. Mm-hmm. Well, is it? 30s movies have taught me that it's a New Orleans toast. So that is like, you know, oh, what gotcha. you just said for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. It's my favorite breakfast, <laughs> New Orleans toast. Yeah, if I lose this episode, that's the ad copy I'm going to be reading. Um <laughs> <laughs> I already have something ready oh, for the, for oh, the right. Right. oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> yes. Comes prepared, so even more incentive not to lose. So, because Buzz lost last yeah, episode. Yeah, the poor episode rule doesn't apply. Like, so we that have doesn't to... doesn't apply. Right, so okay. um, we've we got have a safety trap net there. Kit okay. Leaky is what, is what we're saying here. We have to lay a very clever oh, trap. Oh, sure, yeah. That okay. probably would have been best to plan, okay. like, some other time than 15 minutes into this episode. Yeah, well, you know, as, I've, as I've never been clever learned. before, but I'd love to try hey, it, me so too. we'll, we'll okay. figure this out as we go. <laughs> as we've consistently learned on this podcast, though, no one falls into the traps yes, that are no one... for them. They <laughs> sidestep the trap. into the traps of yeah. our own Charlie race. Chaplin was asked <laughs> yes. once uh, whether if he was shooting a, a sequence of a woman slipping on a banana peel, if he would shoot the banana peel first or the woman first and he said it doesn't matter i'd shoot the banana peel first then the woman then the banana peel then the woman then the banana peel then i'd have her step over the banana peel and fall in an open manhole <laughs> that's what we do to ourselves on this show yes 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 <laughs> feels like home uh all right so let us talk about babbit by sinclair lewis and i want to kick Okay. Part two. Part two. The Judgment Day. No, that's not what you said. You just said Judgment Day. <laughs> the end game. Well, that that feels a little bit of end game. I'm not sure what of. <laughs> um, uh, 
Are you a are you a a ten percenter or a hundred percenter? Do you have the will to take it all the way? It's a, it's all you got to do is snap your fingers, and it's easy as that. Pow! You got pep to you, Thanos. You gotta you, you have vision, Thanos. <laughs> I need you to do this exact thing. You have vision. <laughs> Babbit meets Thanos, <laughs> which will go down as the least. The least lauded crossover in comics history. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. All right. So, okay. Um, yeah. Now that we've started this episode on a very serious note, I want to be a little silly. And by that, I mean using my privilege as the host of this show to show off the one, the one incredibly That's buried reference that I'm very proud of myself for catching. Um, and I'm oh, going to yeah. kind of back into this because I want to see without, like, leading you guys exactly to where I'm going, um, if you can get there or if you did, in fact, get there. Have either of you... Well, okay. Uh, I know Kip's answer, so... Leaky, have you heard of an author named James Branch Cabell? Yes. C-A-B-E-L-L. Hmm. Okay. No, I don't think uh, so. Kip, do you know where I'm going with this yet? Yes, I do. I All can't right. find the page, so, but I know what you're talking um, about. It's the beginning of chapter 23. Uh, so we're in the back. We're in, in sort of near the three-quarters mark of the novel. Not quite there. Um, so we're in indefinite Babbitt uh, angst, you know, purposelessness sort of territory. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I actually have a note in this chapter, Existential mm-hmm. Crisis. Yes. yes, exactly. Ah, very nice. And um, it starts out with Babbitt sort of wandering around his empty house, uh, like the sort of sub-chapter one of chapter 23. Um, uh, yeah, Babbitt and, or Mrs. Babbitt, rather, and Tinka have gone east. The kids are, like, out, maybe. they're. I don't know if they're, they've gone anywhere, but they're like out on the town yeah oh yeah they're out at a dance that's right uh and the maid even the maid was out too yes and you're you're at the paragraph that i'm at there uh mm-hmm. leaky mm-hmm. um rarely had babbitt been alone in his house for an, an entire evening he wanders into his daughter's room uh verona's room mm-hmm. um who it's i think important to mention here is like the character that he perhaps understands the least out of all the characters we've met in uh, the novel so far. I mean, maybe that's an arguable point, but it's certainly, she's certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he just doesn't, you know, because she and, she and uh, is Ted the boyfriend or the son? Ted is the son, okay. yeah. Um, I forget, Verona and her boyfriend, like, they have this very intellectual relationship, and Babbitt's basically like, mm-hmm. why don't they just neck? I don't get it. Yeah, um, right. And just... Kenneth is the boyfriend. Thank you. Uh, you know, so, so, like, this is just someone who's very obscure to Babbitt. Um, and so he read... And this, like, I thought of... I thought about bringing this up in the last episode, uh... Leaky, when you were talking about how much of an eye for detail Lewis had, even mm. from a very young age, um, 
Like, this is the, the passage that reminded me the most of Ulysses, um, which, of course, mm. has an entire section of a chapter where one of the two main characters is just, like, looking at the bookshelf of yeah. um, the other character. And, right. <laughs> and, you know, it's clear that Joyce is just, like, if there's something better than a photographic memory, like, that's what Joyce has. Um mm-hmm. And this is this is similar if if miniaturized, um, and so uh, um, Babbitt sits on sits on Verona's bed and looks at uh, looks at the books that she has. Conrad's rescue, so Joseph Conrad, of course, you know, mm-hmm. be be sort of a quintessential author for someone like Verona to have. And then we get, and then after. There's another clause, and after okay. which, um, quite irregular poetry by Vashel Lindsay, uh, <laughs> essays by H.L. Mencken, highly improper essays making mm-hmm. fun of the church, all very sort of like, you know, th- this is a teenager in the year 2015 who has like Neil Gaiman's, you know, Sandman and um, Dawkins' The God Delusion and... Oh, yeah. Uh, Infinite Jest. Infinite Jest, thank you, yes. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but the, the clause that I did focus on... Which is just Babbitt later in the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, oh, that's interesting, actually. And worse. Um, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's right. always a secret third episode of any pair of episodes, <laughs> and that's definitely yep. it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes an episode zero. Yes, yes. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> sometimes both. Anyway, the clause that I want to focus on, and I'm taking an outsized amount of time doing it, a volume strangely named Figures of Earth. Now, yes. Figures of Earth, I happen to know because of stuff I'm interested in that very few people alive today are interested in. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interested in it because of that. Uh, is because your interest has splashed over. And also, I kept being in throwing books at you, hoping that yeah, that, that's the some splashing of them stick. I was doing like a spaghetti metaphor, but it, it kind of worked. Like I splashed you with my book spaghetti. Um. <laughs> that is a sentence I've never heard. I was going to say that was going to. in the Michael and Ethan <laughs> coffee table quote book. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to decide if that counts as a loss or not. I don't know how it would. Oh, self-reference. And I would like to. You referenced yeah. yourself as you. Yeah, but I didn't as say not your the nickname. whole. Oh, I see. No, but, but this he, is the show. You referenced the show. This is the show. I don't know. Does oh. the show have the nicknames? Or no, I don't think we've retitled the entire show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to escape through so. this loophole. And talk, finally, <laughs> about James Branch Cabell, who yes. was, I first encountered him in a phase I went through sort of in late high school and early college of reading the predecessors to The Lord of the Rings, um, uh. sort of the uh, set of, like, available vocabulary that Tolkien drew on to make the Lord of the Rings. Um, sure. And Lord Dunsany is a big one. Uh, Robert E. Howard, who created Conan the Barbarian, is a big one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't, uh, oh, what's his name? 
the roots of the mountain. Oh, uh, he was in the craft movement, the arts and crafts movement. George McDonald? Uh, is that who you're talking about? It doesn't sound right. Um, maybe I, I regret bringing uh, this that's up. Okay. Continue. That's okay. I'll put it in the show notes. That's what we do when we make half of a okay. reference. Okay. Oh, good. Yes. Can't remember. <laughs> um, so one of the per- people that I read as a result of this was James Ranch Cabell. Uh, probably his most famous book is Jurgen, J-U-R-G-E-N. Um, and what Cabell did was he chose in the 1910s and 1920s to write uh, 18th, 17th to 18th century style, um, what what can only be called romances, but romances in the in the sense of Arthurian romances of. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay in a in a much older literary sense than the one we know today with harlequin and whatnot yeah uh they were these very and so cabell was a virginian who lived in the early 20th century but he was writing in a mode that had last been popular about 200 years before um yeah this very florid this very uh baroque writing style and he wrote these like phantasmagorical fantasies jürgen for example in the first chapter he's a medieval peasant walking along a road something good happens to him i can't remember what it is and he said or no no no. he does a good turn for the devil the devil says i owe you a favor and jürgen says i wish you'd get rid of my worst enemy and he goes home and his wife has disappeared and (laughs) the rest of jürgen is him setting out on a journey literally across the cosmos uh, uh, through multiple levels of reality Mm -hmm to recover his lost wife who it's his duty to recover even though she's his worst enemy so mm, okay. um figures yeah, of yeah. earth is another of of cavill's books um which i believe is about they all take place in this like fictional province in medieval france and there's a young man who's like mm-hmm. i think he's described as like mentally handicapped um whose mother tells him whose mother thinks that he's like the stuff that like Charlemagne and other heroes are made of. And his mother tells him, you will one day make a great figure in the earth. Um, so he becomes yep. a sculptor. Mm-hmm. So he makes figures out of yep. earth in response to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So literally the two books by sure. Cabell that I've read. <laughs> um, figures of earth. I would ask you who gave you those, but I think the answer is obvious at this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obvious. So, now, I, you know, I drilled out into this detail, not just to brag about, like, the depth that I bring to this. Get, getting an esoteric yeah. reference. Um, definitely partly to do that, not going to lie. Oh, no, absolutely. But partly because... Uh-huh. Even this detail, and it's obscured to the point that the author's name is not mentioned, is so right. Mm -hmm. It's so, Mm -hmm. like, it's exactly the book that would be on Verona's bookshelf, um, as Lewis has characterized Verona. Um, And it's so right that, that Babbitt can't even understand what this book is to the point that he doesn't recognize an author's name. Um, yeah, sure. Because yeah. We, we talked a little bit last episode about the idea of books as a utilitarian thing. Um, 
the idea that someone like Babbitt might read Shakespeare or might read a bestseller, not uh, for their own sake, but for the sake of sort of the uh, cultural use he might put them to. Um, right, yeah, when they summon the spirit yes, of Dante. Yes. You know, <laughs> he's like, maybe I should, maybe I should read this Dante yeah, fella. Exactly, you know? and it's and yes. it's. I, I, a fellow, a fellow like Dante, maybe I wish I'd read some of his exactly, pieces, you know? and because <laughs> it gives him social right. credit. Yes, exactly, it's... and that's very much Babbitt's view of literature. It's not an end in itself; it's a means to an end. And yeah, um, reading reading someone like uh, Cabell in this exact period is very much the complete opposite view of literature. It's literature as an end in, yes. in itself. Yeah. You don't, if yes. you're a person in this period, you don't read Cavill because anyone is ever going to be impressed by it. Sort of like why you don't read Cavill today. <laughs> you read Cavill because you want to read him. Uh, sure, yeah. You're right, not because you're going to get any prestige. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Anything. Um, yeah. Is... Does does the novel itself reference Jurgen? I feel like I read the name Jurgen in, elsewhere. I in the did novel. not catch it if it did. In Babbitt. Um Okay. It might be okay, so I did maybe more research for this book than sure. any other book that we've read <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, by which I mean, not only have I read the Azo Nafisi review of it, not review, but like her commentary in relation to American culture, as I've referenced multiple times, but I also have this little volume, um, okay. a Sinclair Lewis reader, The Man from Main Street. Oh, yeah. Which is mm, um, that's a good one. selected essays and other writings. Uh, I didn't read everything in here, but I did read the unpublished oh. introduction to Babbitt. Um mm uh part of his uh nobel prize acceptance speech and <laughs> yeah. uh one essay in which he talks about uh, mm. minnesota um uh minnesota the north state anyway yeah. um so it might be in here sure that jurgen is referenced i'm trying i'm scrambling really hard to find it but somewhere in the midst of all of this i read the name the, and that Jürgen. was that was another thing about Lewis is like he just mm. was a voracious reader. He read everything. Yeah, it was commonly known around town. He had read every book in the oh Sock Center library. Ooh. Um, it, that was just like that's amazing. His life, and uh, apparently he was just uh, mm. a, a very quick reader and just always looking for something new and something unique sure. and different to read. Um. So yeah, that yeah. does not surprise yeah. me at all that <laughs> that he would include. And also that he would have like read Jurgen, like that as as yeah. books coming right. out in a contemporary time, uh Jurgen would be one of the I would I would think one of the most unique newest and most unique uh that he could have gotten his hands on at that time. Um it does occur to me mm -hmm. like okay. the structure of Jurgen and the structure of Babbitt are very similar in that Jurgen is much more phantasmagorical, like he meets, you know, angels and gods and devils mm. and and such. Uh but it is a bunch of stuff that happens to him. It's very much a road a phantasmagorical road novel. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, and even the events, the like realism it's like event, Alice in yeah, Wonderland. Yeah. Mm. E even the realism events that happen to Babbitt are 
either by Babbitt himself or the narrator are imbued mm. with this heightened mythology and religiosity yes. of like it seems like he's mm-hmm. dealing with gods Whoa. and things like religiosity that. Mm-hmm. is yeah. is huge ha- like um, everyday it, habits it, it, take on the implication and the weight of like yeah, ritual absolutely. religious ritual yes the 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 unpublished uh introduction to babbitt uh talks about that uh sinclair lewis says um a couple of things about um uh, here are his pickle machines with their power and ingenuity a new art comparable to ver libre and is there not in his noisiest advertising his billboards smeared across tranquil fields a passion for achievement which is to the unprejudiced discern- discernment a religious fervor <laughs> an aesthetic passion a genius such as inspired the crusader and explorer and poet so you've got you know, that religious fervor that's in there. And there is this religious talk. There's the, the God of progress that's referenced very yes. early in the yeah. novel. And, um, and then, uh, later, uh, it's, uh, Babbitt's arc is more or less self-reflected on as a, a conversion. Um, yes. Uh, oh, here, right. I found it. Cause when he, um, at the time he comes back from his dalliance with liberalism yes. is a, a confession scene with his pastor. Right. There is, yes, there's that confession yeah. scene with the pastor, which is also put in a satirical light. Um, yeah. But then um, there's this this bit in um, chapter 29, uh, right at the beginning of part four uh, of chapter 29, uh, the very first paragraph there, it says, As all converts, whether to a religion, love, or gardening, find as by magic that though hitherto those ho- these hobbies have not seemed to exist... Now the whole world is filled with their fury. Mm-hmm. So once he was converted to dissipation, Babbitt discovered agreeable mm-hmm. opportunities for it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, he's going through a conversion experience in this novel, yeah. one way and the other, um, back and forth. It's it's and yeah, like you say, the presence of the the, the pastors there. Um, <laughs> which was that. which was really it was a weird <laughs> a weird scene. <laughs> with them yes <laughs> come oh, kneel yeah. down beside me and so pray weird. and then and then sheldon speak and they start praying frolics and into the, the other study. one comes yeah. in yes <laughs> oh man and then like babbitt opens his eyes and sees him checking his watch that yeah. reminded me of um right. like uh you know he's opening his eyes at this moment when like you're not supposed to open your eyes right. or whatever out of reverence um, for the, the right itself. out of reverence yeah which like reminded me of um, a story uh, that Lem- Leonard Nimoy tells in his uh, his memoir I Am Not Spock. Um, yes. About yeah. how as a, a little Jewish boy, um, he kept his eyes. He was told to keep his eyes closed during this one part of the the service in the in uh, the synagogue, uh, because if you open your eyes, you would see the glory of God and it would obliterate you. You know, think Ark of the Covenant sort of thing mm-hmm. um but uh he did he peeked he opened his eyes and he saw the the, sh- the the rabbis uh putting their hands together in you know what we know as the vulcan salute but it's the the hebrew letter shin um mm-hmm. uh that uh was put together as the first letter of the the glory of god in the uh the talmud i believe it's the talmud anyway um that uh so he peeked at that moment he sees this thing uh both of them see this thing that you know they're expecting this marvelous um, I don't know if Babbitt is expecting that necessarily, but you know, what are we gonna? What are, what do I see if I open my eyes? And it's just you know, the pastor's just checking his watch. Yeah, because he's got um, a, a like know. business meeting in five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. It's that utilitarianism again. Yep. Um, so it's it's cast in a very satirical light. Interestingly, I just I want to point out this uh, this passage from the unpublished introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that oh first of all um it gives in here the original name for babbitt he was not originally called babbitt but pumphrey gt pumphrey was the original name that uh lewis had in mind and it wasn't zenith city it was monarch city Mm -hmm. um which is a a hint to um what he says at the the beginning of this introduction he says this is Mm -hmm. the story of the ruler of america Mm -hmm. um so that's that's fascinating. But this yeah. passage in, in uh, particular says, Distinctly, however, Pumphrey is not a satiric figure, nor a type, with a capital T, um, which is just an interesting thing to assert mm-hmm. right there. Um, he's a tragic tyrant. He's individual, uh, <laughs> how he describes him there. Um, I do want to. I, I don't want to launch into a full names with Michael. This is a segment we uh, we come to sometimes in the podcast <laughs> where I'll talk about the names. Um, but Babbitt, uh, the name Babbitt, which originally was Pumphrey, and you get kind of the same sense from both of those. Pumphrey, maybe you get the sense of like he's he's pumped up, he's full yeah. of this mm-hmm. useless Pumpus. pride or yeah, whatever. But yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, Babbitt, however, sounds closer to Babble. Babble. Um, which it, I, I there was a, there was a point where um, his name was put there really close to the word babble mm-hmm. um, or babbling uh, something like that, and so I think that's very intentional, especially given that he's an orator. Yes, uh, you know, and given these these marvelous speeches that are so highly acclaimed, but what he realizes is he's just babbling. He's yeah. spouting. Oh, out, so. yeah, because when um, um, when uh, Paul Riesling af- when he's in prison after shooting his wife. Babbitt wants mm. to go in and like mm. offer his services to the lawyer to say, can I do anything? Can I say I was there and it was an accident or something? And the lawyer's yes. like, and you're going to perjure yourself? And he's like, well, yeah, if that's what it takes. And then the, the, lawyer, takes, yes. the lawyer says to him, there's no way you're getting on a witness stand because you're one of these fellows that likes to hear himself talk. And you would just uh-huh. e- either you would perjure yourself or you would just do far more harm than good because that's who you mm. are and what you do. Yes, exactly. So that's that's I think exactly where this name Babbitt comes mm. from. It's the babbling nature. Thinking of it. about yeah. both the yeah. that everything everything about Babbitt, Babbitt as a as a rhetorician and uh, um, combined with the idea of religion religiosity uh, makes me think of the actual preacher uh, in these pages whose name I was trying desperately to find before I said this uh, thing, and cannot... Is that... Is it Dr. Drew? Um, there, there's a Dr. Drew in here. Yeah, that's the no. pastor at Babbitt's congregation. There's also the, the right, like, sort of more his... popular yes. preacher, yes. Monday. Mike Monday. Mike Monday? Because it's, it's, exactly, it's Billy yes. Sunday, right? Um, is like, <laughs> yeah. Who, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. baseball player turned right. preacher and here we it, have a boxer not, turned preacher as far as yeah. again <laughs> yep. a, things that I could use to say this novel is satirical um, and and be like very uh-huh. obvious <laughs> sort of satire uh, yeah you don't get much better than than that but yeah. mm-hmm. one of the things that I think yeah, right. Lewis is able to do by having less of a plot or or not having a plot however however grandly you want to say that uh is to include just some samples of like what uh pastor monday or preacher monday is uh 
um, just saying. Uh, and that's mm. actually all I had to say about that. I, I, I just, I guess, I just, uh, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition that, that <laughs> sure. Lewis is able to just sort of drop into the novel and either we don't get it, in which case we've read five pages for no apparent reason, or you draw the connection to, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know what Babbitt is doing, and it almost seems le- less like an attack on the idea of religious truth as an attack on the idea of religion as a control mechanism or as a, a conformity mechanism. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's actually all I had to say about that. Yep. And there is a lot of, um, I guess I would call it foreshadowing in in Babbitt when it talks about uh, organized religion and the church as it's presented, this idea of... Um, what was sure. it called? Yes. Christianity Incorporated, you know, that that yes. that Babbitt takes to not only to follow a business model, but then with his work with the Sunday school to follow right. almost like a militaristic capitalist model. Like um, mm-hmm. that definitely foreshadows what the work that Lewis sure. does years later in Elmer Gantry, where he like really goes after mm. the, the hypocrisy of organized religion and using religion as. Uh, as you said, uh, buzz, um, yeah, absolutely. a control mechanism. And it historically foreshadows a lot of how American religion would um, develop over the course of the following century. Um, like so much of of what Babbitt mm-hmm. does, especially when he's like working to reform the Sunday school, uh, foreshadows like the church growth movement and other related. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like, re- I I think I might have laughed out loud when they, yes. they made it a point to say it's all about growth. The key idea in Sunday yeah, school is growth. Right. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Man, exactly. Could have written this exactly. ten years ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, which oh. which for any of our gentle listeners who are slightly less familiar with that set of of histories, um, the church growth movement in a nutshell is the application of business growth techniques to church um the most i guess charitable Mm -hmm. interpretation being that if you have truth um using advertising techniques to uh reach more people with that truth you know it's it's almost not quite but almost an ends justify the means idea um Critics of it, of course, would say that mm-hmm. you're producing a certain set of very shallow effects that have nothing to do with truth and everything to do with manipulation of various kinds, especially emotional manipulation. Um, right. Yeah. Mm. Well, and then uh, coinciding with that, even like the the sort of business advertisement aspect of church growth, um, the description of their church was like uh, and and as far as like churches especially um in the Mm -hmm. late 20th early 21st centuries um kind of reflecting the the tendencies of corporate america and the uh, ideas of corporate america the description of the church that is given is like that you could walk Mm -hmm. down the street and find a church exactly like Mm. this that he had made yeah. his church a true community center. It contained everything but a bar. 
It had a nursery, a Thursday evening supper with a short, bright missionary lecture afterwards, a gymnasium, a fortnightly motion picture mm-hmm. show, a library of technical books for young workmen, though unfortunately no young workmen ever <laughs> entered the church except to wash the windows to repair the furnace. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, what a great, oh my God. Yeah, it could have a coffee shop in too, yep. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, yeah, it's describing a... that. I'm picturing where that is exactly here in Albert mm-hmm. Lee. Yeah, yeah and it, same it, thing. It, same thing here in the Madison area. Like it, it just shows that these things we think are so innovative and new that will spur mm-hmm. growth or or produce uh, meaningful change in the community. It, it's like this exact same thing was happening yeah. hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, by by trying to to merge this this idea of you know the business and that utilitarianism again or the pragmatism of of business, mm-hmm. merging that with something you know spiritual like religion, um, that's the essence of this idea of um, what everything American is supposed to be that um, Lewis is satirizing here in Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. I, this okay. This might be the last time I refer to Nafisi here, but I, I this is um the the whole idea behind this book that she wrote, uh, the Republic of, of Imagination, is she's trying to um cope with her new American identity as mm-hmm. she's um transplanted from Iran mm-hmm. and become an American citizen. Um, and so what does it mean to be American is more or less what she's getting at. And she's coming at that through the, the lens of novels. And in Babbitt, she sees that the, 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 the thesis of it, ultimately boiling it all down, is that every American is homeless. Mm. Um, mm. The first novel that she talks about is Huck, uh, uh. Huck Finn. Um, and Babbitt is, is um, right after that. Um, and so in Babbitt, she talks about this, uh, page 172, if anybody has the book and wants to find it uh, amongst our listeners, um, the paradox at the heart of American society, the urge, perhaps addiction is a better word, for novelty, for movement, for constant change that creates pep and motivates invention, while at the same time being an impediment to imagination <laughs> and reflection. Um, that Americans want to have it both ways. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, uh, all that innovation, that growth, that uh, prosperity, but also the individuality, um, uh, you know, I, I, the, that uh, being an individual, being independent, but also part of a greater whole. Sure. That paradox is right mm-hmm. there at the heart of it. And Babbitt goes through that homelessness in the novel. Yeah. Um, which you know, which it, is so his... funny considering he's a realtor. You know, he's in real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He finds yes. people homes. And yet. <laughs> yes, he finds other people homes. <laughs> you know, but he does. Even from the very beginning, where do we meet him? He's waking up He's waking up, up, up in his home. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's waking up out of a dream, you know, to face yes. reality. And. And yet he doesn't and face reality. And he's not even in his own bed. He's separated. Yeah, right. You know, he's on the sleeping porch. Separated from his wife um, and his family. Yeah. 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 And it's ultimately his wife that causes him to come back to that conformity and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. When she gets sick, mm-hmm. you know, deathly ill. Um, and then this, the people who are the community around her supporting them yeah. uh, are the people that he had been you know rejecting for a while and then it's like oh nope okay i'm gonna go back with you know the this league again right. yeah um, absolutely but, clubs. so it's interesting like talking about babbitt as in a sense a quintessentially american novel um which seems mm-hmm. extremely valid uh 
I in the last year, and I've brought it up on this podcast before. I think even I think in the Orchardist episodes, um, I read mm-hmm. a book called the Midwestern Novel by uh, one Nancy yes. Bungie, um, and her book is one of, as I understand it, one of the first and probably still one of the few books to even propagate the idea of there being a midwestern literature like a regional literature from the midwest often historically a lot of uh literature that could be called midwestern gets claimed by some other region uh either the south Mm. or the west or the east i guess that's all of the other regions but um bungie spends a lot of time talking about uh Sinclair Lewis as potentially a quintessentially Midwestern author. Um, Hmm. And a lot of her reason for talking about that or for, for claiming that, I guess has to do with his um, uh, Lewis's tendency to find sort of a, uh, I'm trying to think what, I guess, I, I guess it's about that paradox that you were just talking about there, um, Kip, mm-hmm. that um, Midwesterners tend to not be very impressed and Midwestern novels tend to not be very impressed by status. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, literature that's focused on the East Coast often is about status, whether you're a tenured college professor or a a banker of some kind or sure yeah. whatever various various status roles um midwestern novelists tend to uh focus in on the things that lie below or apart from status and try to sort of strip that uh uh out i guess hmm. and um I guess, like, Babbitt fits in here in the sense that uh, everything Babbitt... It, it's it's the classic, like, Hunger Games thing that, that Michael always uh, talks about with that series of novels, as well as, like, it applies to almost every novel I think we've found on this show. Um, the idea that the people in the novel are in a different story from the people reading the novel. Um Mm, sure Mm -hmm. so hunger games the people in the novel are in a love triangle story uh the people Mm -hmm. reading the novel are reading a story about societal breakdown or government control or various other things Mm -hmm. sure babbitt's in a story about his status and the fact that that's true Mm -hmm. means that the story is is about everything except his status Mm. yes yeah absolutely the the things that matter to the character are not necessarily the things that matter yeah. to the reader right yeah yeah that's that's more or less my thesis on literature <laughs> in general um <laughs> um one thing i want to mention very briefly as we draw towards the end of our time uh yeah is this is my episode to talk about babbitt as a fantasy novel um because i started out talking about james (laughs) branch cabell and figures of earth uh i want to mention i also did some like more research than i normally do about this one um which is like more than zero uh 
<laughs> but that said, one like thing I stumbled upon is that uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, in his writing of The Hobbit, was apparently like named Babbitt specifically as one of his inspirations for the creation of Hobbit yes. Society and Bill O'Baggins. Yes. What? Yeah, I heard that too. I don't remember what? where from, but that's I, amazing. Uh, yep. That's I amazing. I first encountered yep. it on Wikipedia, uh, and then I chased it down in in some other sources. Um, specifically, what Tolkien said is that hobbits are very self satisfied and yes, very mm. sort of bourgeois and providential, and that basically, yeah, they don't want adventures. Yes. Um, which is interesting when you're writing a novel about some, and the whole idea of a story is there's the call to right. adventure and the challenge, right. and so what do you do with a character who? never gets past refusing the call which is like you know? <laughs> that's a challenge yeah. i think a lot of that's a bad a bit. lot of fantasy novelists <laughs> set themselves is like because fantasy novels so easily fall into that quest structure i think a right. lot of them yeah amuse themselves by creating a character who is like the least likely to want or yeah. pursue that like even uh sure to to fast forward 75 years um, the main character of American Gods is also like that. Like Neil Gaiman mm. describes him yes. as. Oh, yeah. his name is appropriate too. Shadow. Exactly. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's just a shadow. <laughs> and also, again, like the Hobbit, like Babbitt, that set of of uh, sound connections mm. is not coincidental. Yeah. Which again, yeah. Tolkien yeah. explicitly oh, said. My goodness um, and so like this is me uh, very much paraphrasing as i said <laughs> i always do when i quote people um but basically tolkien said you know the hobbit and even uh fellowship of the ring with frodo kind of repeating a lot of these motifs is babbitt getting forced into an adventure he didn't need want or ever think to desire oh yeah mm-hmm Oh my goodness! This is this yep. is this is blowing my mind, and I love it. Can I can I can I take this as just a launching pad? This the, like I had a list of basically topics that sure. I could have discussed. I'm not going to go into them in depth here, but here's just a list of Babbitt's and um, yeah. that that came to mind as I was reading this, and I'm just going to list them in the order that they occurred to me, and maybe I'll refer to some of the page numbers that. Um, uh, caused me to think of them. Uh, the first one is one of the, the first thoughts I had before even reading the novel, and it's Babbitt and Dream <laughs> of Perpetual Motion. Well, um, we, we've talked about uh, that, yeah. Zenith, a little bit. Zenith sounds very similar to Zeroville, and you've got the main characters being sort of uh, similarly Especially stuck Especially when in you go back to Xeroxville. Um, since mm-hmm. Xeroxville, yeah. Um, so that's the first one. Uh, the next one is um, Babbitt and A mm. Wrinkle in Time. Oh. Um, the uh, page number that I had in mind here was page 13, and I'm trying to find exactly what it is. Um, scanning the page, not finding it, but essentially it's the... Uh, the um, um, 
standardization of everything um with Mm. like it in wrinkle of time when they go to that planet i forget the name of the planet in wrinkle of time wrinkle in time but there's that haunting scene where you know like all the kids are out on their driveways or whatever bouncing the balls Mm -hmm. in perfect synchronicity um and it's just like i had that exact image um here does the uh, realism of one generation become the science fiction thought jet thought experiment of the next generation interesting yeah that's interesting. that's a master's <laughs> level question yeah. right there um i like that de- demands a master's thesis and also, to be written about yeah it. absolutely secret episode four. <laughs> oh my goodness um that's that's wonderful um okay the next one is uh babbitt and a christmas carol Oh, oh uh, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. This is uh, page two sixteen in my edition, right there, down at the uh, the bottom. Um, uh, I think Babbitt is, is is he firing Stan Graf here? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. Yes, uh, yes but he is. Uh, Stan Graf is um, shouting at him, Babbitt, old dear, you're crooked in the first place, and a, a damn skin flint in the second. If you paid me a decent salary, I wouldn't have to steal <laughs> pennies off a blind man to keep my wife from starving. Uh, so okay, here's you know this this more impoverished um, mm-hmm. uh, employee, uh, which this, that might be the only Babbitt and that's previous to the novel of Babbitt. Um, the rest are more or less his legacy, I oh, think. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, then uh, let me see. I think I've only got one more. Just checking my notes. Yes, only one more. The last one is Babbitt and It's a Wonderful Life. Um, with uh, George Bailey. This one comes more from um, the uh, unpublished introduction. um, Well, I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is just a Christmas Carol updated. Right, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's it's kind of interesting that two two Christmas stories made it into that list for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, (laughs) um, but this is uh, page 25 in the Sinclair Lewis Reader, A Man from Main Street. Um, right about the middle of the page, it says those miraculous, those admittedly noble machines. And this is sounding like Babbitt towards the end of the novel in his most, most radical period. Mm. Uh, they were planned and built and improved and run by very common workmen who get no credit, whatever for pioneering, which mm. George Bailey and it's a wonderful life is yelling at, uh, um, uh, Henry Potter, uh, about, um, this rabble, you know, mm. they, they do most of the, the 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 working and buying and living and dying. Living, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you know that, and that's that's exactly what that sounds like from that. And in the grand scheme of things, you're nothing more than an insignificant spider, <laughs> and that goes for you too. And goes which, for you too. And for you too. <laughs> yeah. Which okay, so um, that that movie and um, uh, who's the director? Capra. Ca- yeah. Frank Capra. Capra, thank you. Um, Frank Capra was looked at as a potential communist sympathizer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Least, That's right. Which um, is, you know, right along the lines of <laughs> Lewis and Babbitt. Yeah. Here. Um, anyway, that's th- those are the thoughts that occurred to me uh, in just kind of a shotgun spray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 love your, I love your shotgun spray, Kip, as I always do. Um, but we can't talk about that because this is a family show. Um, (laughs) You were talking about spaghetti spray earlier, so... (laughs) 
yeah um it's only a family show in the very most basic of senses um <laughs> in that sometimes there's families in the books that you read right <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh leaky before we sort of wrap up here is there yes. anything that you want to respond to or just say oh, or well i i also have a babbit like, and that i think i'd yes. like to um Ooh, if we can yes uh and i think um uh oh kip i think kip i mentioned this to you before uh, as we were mm-hmm. prepping for this um that we can discuss however much we want but we could just sort of leave for the the listeners mm-hmm. to meditate on is uh babbit and michael scott from the office yeah. is michael <laughs> scott a, a contemporary Babbitt, and there were mo- and I had this thought, bef- like right when I started rereading Babbitt for this podcast, and then throughout, I don't know if it was because I had the thought in my head, I kept noticing little bits and pieces, um, of just connections that, like, going back to when he's firing his employee, there's a line that's like ex- exactly explains the situation of Michael Scott in the Halloween episode, uh-huh. for being forced to fire an employee. Um, absolutely worse he had to discharge he had to fire Graf and this was a part of office routine which he feared he liked people so much and he so much wanted them to like him that he could not bear insulting him and that's Michael's <laughs> entire conflict in that episode that's everything. that's everything going going through oh. describing Babbitt's morning routine at the beginning I don't know why but I kept thinking of Michael describing his morning routine when he grills his foot on the foreman grill what? yes <laughs> And and that also reflects because Babbitt's morning routine is so much about his stuff, right? The yeah. the trinkets, the He's got the, the things the that George Foreman grew. right. And so Michael Scott's description you know, is he has this gadget, names. the brand name gadget yep. that give him status, or so he thinks. You know. Um, well, think of the the moment when uh, Oscar is helping Michael with uh, his finances and talks <laughs> yes. about all the things that he buys that nobody ever right. needs. Yeah. You know, that's this bar right here. And even there, Michael can only see this this gadget that Oscar is using. Is this PowerPoint? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> because he's so he it, like when you said that I loved. I just loved that concept. Maybe yeah. want to read it again. Just thinking of Babbitt as you know Steve Carell. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's so much. I think there is a lot of similarity in the nature of the characters. What makes them work is confusing status for love Mm. and then confusing Mm. stuff for status like you you think you want status you think you want people to like you and respect you and think of you as this fun funny boss because what you really want is just to be loved (laughs) but you're replacing you're replacing status in other people's eyes with or you're replacing your need for love with this the status other people give you and you think one way mm-hmm. that you can obtain that status is if you have gadgets, gizmos, if you participate in the current now, you know, what, what people desire in the moment and what you think gives you esteem and status in the eyes of others. So I, I think there are a lot of connections there. Ultimately, I think mm-hmm. Michael Scott is a far more sympathetic character you know especially especially sure. by the end of his run sure. on the office mm. um i can't mm. i can't imagine having as strong of an emotional reaction to anything in babbitt as when he yeah. you know to goodbye michael when he leaves you know mm-hmm. um 
So anyway, I th- spoilers. Oh, so, well, it's again. It's a, the, the, <laughs> it came out. Came out it, it was ten years, ten years ago. ago. Yeah, <laughs> this is a one hundred year old show. So if anyone hasn't seen it yet, they're past their Overton window or whatever it is. It was very groundbreaking. People didn't even have televisions yet. Exactly. You know, and yet they were making a TV show. It was incredible. Yes, but oh, and I think it also ties into we were talking about Babbitt as um you know on the two levels of story the characters are in one story the readers are reading another story mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think also like that ties in with the office too is that people watch the office mm. as an office workplace comedy but what it really is is uh-huh. a story about unrequited love mm. like it's it's people mm-hmm. who have love that cannot be fulfilled absolutely and at first it's with jim and pam and then it's with um uh, well, that's maybe the most obvious. Yeah, right. But then it moves on to other characters, Dwight and Angela, yep. mm-hmm. uh, Michael and uh, oh, Amy, Ryan, Holly, Holly. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, Andy and Aaron. Yeah, and, right. Yep. Um, and uh, Ryan and Kelly. I mean, oof. <laughs> oof. Let's not get into that. Well, that concludes this episode of this the Office Fan Cast. Um, yes, yeah. Please join me on my other uh, podcast, the, wow. the other Office fan cast. I understand what um, uh, Leaky's real motivation here was. Backdoor pilots for his two podcasts that he actually cares about. Yes, um, exactly. That's, that's just great. Pokemon rollout and Office ladies. <laughs> no. And us play fiasco. Don't... Don't, uh... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I genuinely hate to cut the discussion short. I do feel like we could go on for three more episodes um, before Leaky even gets to his whole uh, uh, Avengers Endgame Babbitt to Babbitt Judgment, Endgame? Ga- <laughs> Judgment Day. Yes. Um, but... Unfortunately, uh, the constraints of chronological time mean that we must uh, wrap up here. We have a couple things um, that we must do. Unfortunately, no one lost. Uh, oh. Unless Kip wants to like take one for the team, but you know, it's, nope. uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much Kip's usual attitude <laughs> around here. Um, listen, Leaky. Uh, Kip can't hear us yes. now because I said so. Uh, we might need to vote him out at the next <laughs> okay. annual um, sure. deal. Yeah. I knew it. I knew I was being replaced. Uh, you can't hear us? Um, <laughs> so This is just my internal monologue. Don't worry. Okay. You think that all the time, right? <laughs> uh, so that said... Um, we have some. So I well, I guess like one last thing, sure. and uh, Kip, maybe you could help me think through this in particular. But Babbitt, like he doesn't really like sure. contribute to society. He's he more like just takes from society. Mm-hmm. So he's like I guess like a, a parasite <laughs> or like a leech on society. What's another word That's for that? That's a great word for that it. That you could use. Yeah. Like it's some sort of creature. Mosquito. That no, not quite like that. Yeah, it's but bigger, like, bigger than a mosquito. If you're you on sort of a mythological level, like an archetypal yeah. level what cuz we're talking about you know like the language oh, imbuing oh. things with mythology and the weight of oh. mythology so like what would myth you mean Hades 
Uh, that's not I quite mean, it. No, it was a little else. outdated, uh... honestly. There, Kip. I don't think oh, I don't think I this see. is gonna work. I mean, we, I yeah. I I deeply appreciate your attempt there, Bleaky. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Kip forgot my my birthday, so if he'd maybe sing Happy Birthday. No, I don't know what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah, anyway, um, once again. So nobody broke any see, rules, huh? See, the whole reason that rule is in place is because of my undergrad thesis. So it's a little <laughs> what unfair, was your undergrad thesis on? Your undergrad thesis. <laughs> Lolita. <laughs> Lolita and? Uh, Dracula. Who is a type um, of? Oh, yeah, yeah. A mythical uh, creature. You get a D in this class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was my that was my last <laughs> shot at playing on Michael's teacher's pet uh uh personality. <laughs> like Michael. Is it that Michael, obvious? Humbert Humbert is a what sort of character? One hundred <laughs> points, pass fail. <laughs> um Oh, awful! How's that? <laughs> fail. That's that's a fail. Uh, oh, answer. okay. Darn it. Well, um. Anyway, yeah. So we do get to do some ratings, though. Um. First, now we're at the end of the episode. Wait, where did Michael go? He's gone. Okay. His well, reflection uh, doesn't appear to us because he's one of those. Uh, I'm. I'm what's the i can't think oh. of the yeah what's the term oh I'll my gosh uh, yeah. night walker i don't know if <laughs> if michael were smarter than both of us he would think of it first, but... yeah i guess he's not smarter than both of us <laughs> <laughs> okay wow. i have to confide oh that wait i have this you called him michael go ahead no, but I already said we were at the end of the episode. Oh, um, see, I don't know. So, you know, the I guest, can, the guest has a, puni- or a penalty assigning Michael. prerogative. So, so what I was gonna say though, <laughs> it can, is like, can if you're trying to catch someone else in re- breaking a rule, d- that does that mean you're immune from breaking a rule? <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to make both of us leave? <laughs> no, I think you lost. <laughs> Again. You would like that. Anyway, I was going to say, I have to confide that I have this theory that 500 years in the future, <laughs> there will be grad students who study podcasts. Oh, sure. Oh, and my gosh. 500 years in the future, they will have used up all of the popular podcasts. Yes. <laughs> This podcast, and the, w- this podcast will be to the future what James Branch Cabell is to you guys. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, Did I say that right, Cabell? Cabell? Yeah, no, Cabell is is as I understand okay. it, right? Very good. Cabell is how I used to say it before I was enlightened. Um, but so I, I, if you go back through the like oeuvre of this show, there are things that I sometimes say or jokes that I sometimes make that are like to grad students five hundred years in the future. Oh yes. Um, and everyone needs what an I'd audience. like to say. Oh, there you go. There it is. Exactly. <laughs> and what I'd like to say 
is that when I started this thing immediately after the thing I the thing before when I started it like 11 years ago um is that two grad students 500 years in the future this is how white guys make fun of each other <laughs> <laughs> accusing each other of thinking that they are the smartest one in the room yes like yes so that's all I wanted to say and I'm sorry it took 11 years for me to say <laughs> uh so anyway, at the end of uh, two and four episode sets, um, we dole out punishments as necessary, which we won't do because Michael wouldn't uh, be a team player. Um, then right, we rate the scotch. Uh, we have a one to five star rating system. And uh, Jacob, whose non-leaky name I can say now, um yes okay sure whatever however for... you help yourself sleep at night whatever excuses you want to give to... <laughs> <laughs> yes you're right i also wouldn't take one for the team but mostly it's <laughs> mostly it's michael's fault of course yes from one to five stars jacob how would you rate the scotch are and... um are are decimals allowed or is it strict yeah, yeah. one okay hmm if if giving it an entirely arbitrary numerical rating, I would probably go four point four four point three four point four point four four point four. Okay. Okay. In the past, we've allowed fractions. Okay. This four first... four point four three and a quarter. Okay. Dot seven. <laughs> And by fractions, I mean half numbers or whole numbers. But oh, I, I see. Okay, as so, a historical like precedent setting thing, I adore that rating. So you're not allowed to change it now. Okay, all right. So uh, the two for the record for the grad students, five hundred years in the future, the official rating is four point four, four point three, four point three, four point four. That's sure, the official yeah. arbitrary right. <laughs> rating. They'll have math that advanced at that point. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm counting on it. That's me being ahead of the, <laughs> the curve. Math will you know? capitulate to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've never snorted scotch through my nose, but that was the closest <laughs> I've ever come. Can, can I go a bit into depth about why? Or is yes, it just please. Yes, okay, yeah. okay. Please. So... I will. I do have to say, I'm not um, particularly well versed in Scotch. I do enjoy Scotch and mm. a good Scotch. I just don't have a lot of experience with it, um, mm. mostly because my uh, my will, but not my poverty, consents to drinking <laughs> good <laughs> Scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have a wide base to compare it to. But I will say this is one of the finest noses on a scotch or any whiskey that i think i've Mm. experienced there's so much going on and it's so good it's so well-rounded there's like citrusy elements to it but there's also then this like more powerful oomph of as i said earlier like this so like sea breeze sea salt Mm -hmm. it kind of gets almost a little bitter into if you've had salted licorice salted black licorice mm. like there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that kick to it and it i just really love the nose um the the tasting is very good right away 
but what what made me dock some points is on the back end there's a bit of uh flabbiness i guess it sort of drops mm. and it gets kind of oily which i know is a tasting element some people like but i personally don't um and you can kind of get the like oily alcoholness to it a bit mm. more so i Mm-hmm. there there is kind of a longer finish to it but the the real punch of it kind of quickly drops off like a roller coaster so mm-hmm. that's my overall impressions very very good enjoyable i i do like this so michael now that jacob has done sort of the pool shark thing where he's like i'm not very good at pool let's bet and then he's like <laughs> take it up for all our money by talking about uh-huh. nose, body, and back end. Oh, I, d- I didn't realize is- that. <laughs> you didn't realize how bad we were at rating scotch um, four years, six years, whatever, into this podcast. Oh, and that's... We're almost five years in. Absolutely fine. You you couldn't have known. Well, uh, we, we trapped you into trapping us, is what happened. <laughs> That's exactly so anyway, yeah. Michael. Now that Jacob has destroyed our whole thing, oh, um, you just you just made me feel awful. Just no, so no, no, no. Well, you know oh, what? Okay, great. you know what? If you guys were the smartest guys in the room, you could do better. Exactly. No, <laughs> we should feel awful. You should take over this podcast. That's how it. That's how. Welcome it to like my said, my new podcast uh, Scotch <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, I about? hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed this. Let's hear we what two f- two fools we have to say. <laughs> no, Jacob, this this is you being fully inducted into this podcast, where we find the best ways for you to make you feel awful as like one. Oh, of us. sure, okay, yeah. Like I appreciate. Yeah, exactly. If we didn't like you, we would treat you much better. This is this is the roast I, through the like, boosters like club. Babbitt right? yeah. knowing that he's yeah. part of the boosters again. Yeah, you know, exactly. When they start making fun. Exactly. Of him. Boom roasted. That oh, that was another uh, Babbitt Michael Scott <laughs> Boom connection. Roasted. Boom yes. roasted. The roast at the end. Okay, I'll stop. Yes. Love it. Michael, um, please rate this. Okay, so I'm going to give it four stars. Oh. Uh, no fancy fractions and decimals for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, none of this socialist math. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm going to give it a solid four stars. Um, part of that is the price point for this scotch. For the price of this scotch, it, to me, this scotch should cost almost at least twice mm. what it costs. Because mm-hmm. um, this is a very inexpensive scotch. And you get so much bang for your buck out of this thing. Um the, the sea breeze is absolutely right there. Um, it doesn't have quite the smokiness um, that I was more or less expecting from it. Um, that, uh, and maybe it's just my expectations that are docking those points. But um, I, I think that, that sea air and uh, some of the, uh, the subtler hints that add complexity to it are just magnificent. Now, when I added the salt to it, the salt to the rim. Um, I I don't know that I was expecting much out of it. You know, I was doing it more for mm. the gimmick. But I will say after the first couple of tastes, as it was going along, I was getting a lot more of the toffee and mm. vanilla out oh, of it. Just having that salt so mm. up front, uh, it just counterbalanced the salt that was natural to the scotch and made it more candy-ish. Um, that was uh, really yeah. interesting. 
to me. Like I, honestly, you know, when you've got that salt on the rim, you expect a margarita, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. you know really sweet. And that's you know, as, with the first sip, I was like, oh wow, that's surprising. Not exactly what I was expecting mm. from the, the salt being here, but I let it be more complex as it went. And it's got a lot going on. This scotch has so much to it. Um, four stars. Yes. yes. There you go. Well, I'm and it. Oh, Jacob, go ahead. No. I'm just going to interrupt because I, I'm obviously the master of all scotch. So, uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> um, it it has a lot going on, and it's it's kind of like subtle and delicate about it too, yeah. which I really uh-huh. appreciated. So, mm-hmm. okay, which shows some of its age. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Ethan, pl- you may now Thank proceed. You. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like the feeling of leadership being completely stripped away from you <laughs> uh it's incredible i want to talk about the name of this podcast too uh, and also the whole topic <laughs> of discussion right. and the purpose this is a family show because i have some idea i have some vision for the the direction i want okay sorry this I'll is pass. a family show so i'm only going to tell you to eat my butt um <laughs> But I could go more into detail when we stop recording. Uh, <laughs> however, I am going to follow Jacob in fractionalizing uh, the ratings, and I'm going to give this scotch a 4.25. Um, because I will say, this is one of my favorite scotches. Like, if anyone ever wanted to gift, to give me a scotch as a gift, I don't believe in gift as a verb i didn't say that um like <laughs> old Pulteney is like i know again like babbitt your own self and body betrays your intention exactly yes and also having yes. had a lot of the scotch um <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's just uh, again what jacob alluded to in like his cheating preview uh a review of the scotch the <laughs> idea of like sea air and sea breeze and and saltiness mm-hmm. this feels like a scotch that was barreled and then just put on a cliff in the orkney islands and allowed to just be exposed to all of the sea breezes and the and the you know waves and and all of that um yes it just like it gives me everything except smokiness and smokiness is like what i normally want in a scotch but i i don't care with this one so my my like remaining three quarters of space there is just the idea that maybe one day there could be a scotch that had everything this one has and smokiness um maybe the 17 year exactly yeah Mm. (laughs) uh but that's a it's it's so good and i will never not want to drink it and also it's so good yes yes that i mean the thing i love most about it is that sea breeze saltiness Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like i should be reading moby dick instead Uh, of babbitt uh yeah well that so if you ever read moby dick i mean uh, i have if you if you think i could go off on tangents about sinclair lewis i could (laughs) Uh, yeah would oh. <laughs> invite me on please one of the few, I was gonna say one of the few very long books that i've read twice yes. moby, moby dick. dick would be like our uh uh 
Mondo books, and we would invite Jacob on to shame us. This is the part where I I beg to be let back on to the podcast for four episodes (laughs) instead of two. Yeah, I like I like the amount of power that has been returned to me. Um, But it always helps to have a man as you wish, sir. Before you, (laughs) but segue wise, which was better four remarks ago, but that's okay. Um, We now rate the pairing. Uh, between the book and the scotch. Uh, the rating goes perfect match. Mm. Perfect match. Pretty good match. Slight mismatch. Total mismatch. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just sort of, Jacob, since we're going to throw you to the wolves first, it's yes. just a, a holistic, subjective conception of... Um, yeah, like the match between the, the two. Sure. Yeah. I would say gut reaction would be pretty good match. Okay. Initially at face value, I don't think there's a whole lot of match between the the kind of uh, glib satirical uh, uh, wittiness almost and realism of Babbitt and, and the Scotch. But, however, I think think when you get going back to that that sea spray and the connection to this sort of mythological ocean i think that it, there's a, a a pretty good match between um as far as imbuing realism with the religious ritual the weight of mythology uh, i i think there's a, a sort of meta match going on there hmm but but if there were not so so much like ritualistic language and fantastical language elements, if Babbitt did not wish for a fairy girl, <laughs> you know, uh, I would say probably not very good of a match. But, but considering he does that in the first page of the novel, yes, yeah, absolutely. Which is actually the only page that I read. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty impressive, honestly. <laughs> I was just guessing the whole time. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Makes sense. You know, I can see it. Yeah. Michael, what is your rating of the... How do you rate pairing? Uh, I'm also going to give it a pretty good match. Um, I, I, I think I might be leaning a little closer towards a perfect match, though. Um, because of the the... the the sea breeze of old Pulteney 12 year um, imbues it with that sense of longing for something more. And it's a subtle sort of, you know, something more also um, tying to that. If you've got the box for old Pulteney, if you look at the third paragraph on the back, it says since 1826, Pulteney distillery has endured everything nature and man can throw at it, including 25 years of prohibition oh, <laughs> there you go um so i just you know right there yeah. uh but no i think uh that, that there's you know there's something deeper and there's that longing for more there's that, that desire of something outside of it and also just that concept of prohibition you know this is this is the forbidden fruit that yeah no i'm allowed because i'm right know, part of the middle class yes so I, um, I'm better than than the people whom this rule was truly meant for, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I gotta say though, twenty five years. 
Um, a prohibition. I don't. I don't know. Because as I understand, prohibition was nineteen nineteen to nineteen thirty three. American prohibition. Yeah. What other prohibition are we talking about, though? Wasn't there a prohibition from uh, England upon Scotland? Wasn't that a thing? I if there it could that could be. I don't know about it. Uh, like it seems like the sort of thing the English would do. Absolutely. Scotland, but... I mean, the English invented. <laughs> I feel like I remember hearing that. The English invented ethnic cleansing to try to get rid of <laughs> Scotland and Ireland. So it does seem like, yeah, they would impose a prohibition on them. I just don't know about it. Uh, I'm going to try to research that and put it in the show notes for There's this your one. your assignment for next time. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I'm also super glad I did the very manipulative tactic of having both of you uh, say your <laughs> ratings before mine. Because I was going to give it a real bad match rating. But I'm going to say pretty good match um based on both of what you just said uh and <laughs> nothing else that i have to say honestly um awesome because i think your okay. guys ratings are both more thoughtful more insightful and like just generally better than the one i was gonna do which was like no babbitt america conformist <laughs> bad old pulteney scotland <laughs> North Island's good. Bad match. But no, I'm going to give it a pretty good rating. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to I'm I'm going to I'm going to change mine to a perfect because I just had this thought Ooh. that my complaint about the whiskey that it had this this flabbiness, this sort of like disappointing fall off is yeah. a perfect oh. it perfectly compares to the character of Babbitt. Oh, I thought you were going to say nice. perfectly compares to the character of Prohibition Liquors. Oh, oh that too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it perfectly compares to the end of the novel. Oh, oh my god. See, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have even explained my reasoning, <laughs> right? Have. I should have just come up with it I should have just ended it at the height <laughs> of the climax and let you decide, which is exactly oh, how Babbitt ends. Amazing. Man, we should Man. end this episode right now. Done. We're not going to get a better. But we haven't rated the book. Oh, we haven't, and also we haven't introduced the new book, so there's that also. Yeah. Um, all right. right. I wasted a perfectly good ending. You know, we're not. It's not going to happen again. So. <laughs> oh, <wow>. sorry. Um, <laughs> Jacob, and yes. keeping in mind that we're trying to really crank through the stuff now. Because uh, we're way over time. Okay. No yes. pressure. <laughs> How would you rate Babbitt by Sinclair Lewis on a scale of buy, borrow, or forget about it? Oh, buy. Absolutely. Wait, really? I I do have to say I'm completely biased to this, too. You, you want to rate it buy? As in, Are you sure? As in, like, people should buy this book? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm shocked by that rating, honestly. Really? Why? I'm not. That was a, oh, that was oh, sarcasm. You're being sarcastic. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I see. See, my my level of critical thinking is not yet developed <laughs> to the point of comprehending sarcasm. So. <laughs> Mine either from other people, only from me, so it's okay. 
Yes, I uh, I would encourage people to buy and read this book. Mm-hmm. There, um, there, there's two drawbacks I think to this novel. Two points where it kind of stumbles today, anyway. One is where it really succeeded when it first came out is in dialogue. Mm. From what I've read, it perf like perfectly it captured the the dialogue and the the patter mm-hmm. and the vernacular of that moment of American history. It does not age very well, though, yeah. because it is so specific. But so that it, that can be a, a stumbling block to really getting into the book. Save it for your rating. Uh, I won't remember. <laughs> I'm I am taking back power, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I am taking back power, servant. <laughs> no, but like if it captures its moments historical dialogue, that's a good thing. No, I I agree, but as far as a contemporary reader is concerned, yeah. if they should, what they will get out we of it. We hate them. No one cares about it, them. Oh. I, I mean, as far as a reader 500 years in the future in graduate school is concerned. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Who is reading the novel only in order to have background information exactly. on this podcast. Yes. Speaking yes. of power shifts. <laughs> someone seizes... Yeah, yeah. Is entirely Jacob Kemper taking over this podcast six years in. <laughs> this is the moment. This is the history being made right now. They'll go back. They'll look back on this and say, here was the time that everything changed. <laughs> Capital um, riots, I, nothing. <laughs> Jacob Kemper taking over the podcast. Right. Everything. Jacob Kemper taking over. Michael, can you remember Thus began the decline and fall of the American <laughs> Empire. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so it is a, a very specific vernacular mm-hmm. that it, it might take some effort to overcome and get and to get really into the novel. The other, um, uh, however, the con- the you know other side of that is there are so many key um, just uh, institutions, key characters, key people that are still prevalent and present in our moment today that reading this a novel still seems fresh that there you can see these people you can see these institutions and these pursuits um and you can see this lack of uh complete lack of critical thinking or self-reflection you know um so i think that that is the counterbalance mm-hmm. the other issue is um and and this might play into Ethan your earlier concern about realism mm. and when it's realism for the sake of realism is that and this is a problem that I do run into with Sinclair Lewis is that it tends to get a bit long I think this novel could quite comfortably be 50 to 100 pages shorter mm. however mm. I do think because I think there are times it's like you've made your point and you're you're just sort of filling in details now. However, I do think he gives enough variety between chapter to chapter, giving us different vignettes, different aspects of uh, society in Zenith or problems that arise for Babbitt, um, and and they're done with enough uh, of a shock. Sometimes, I mean, Paul Riesling shooting his wife is a spoiler alert. Is a yeah. big, uh, a huge shock. Um, we didn't even talk about Babbitt. No, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the whole idea of Babbitt getting out of Zenith, going to Maine, first with Paul and then without Paul. Um, you know, I think Lewis does a good job 
Uh, he it does tend to sl- you know get slog a little bit, but as soon as it starts being like okay, get on with it, he yeah. does. Um, and, and he does it in very creative, interesting, unexpected ways that still remain true to the heart of the novel. So I, but I ultimately I would say by um, I, I think uh, Sinclair Lewis as a whole has a lot to offer America and American readers today, um, and is not read nearly as much as he could be. Um, and I think a lot of people could benefit from reading many of his books, not all. There's some bad ones, but um, many yeah. of his books. Michael? Uh, I'm also going to rate this a buy. I honestly think that Babbitt might be one of the best novels that we have had on this podcast. Whoa. Um, and it, it, I, I don't say that lightly. I, I think we could have done four more episodes talking about this novel. Uh because there's so much to it and most of that is questions uh there's a reading guide at the back of this edition um not a reading guide but like a readers group questionnaire and we didn't even get to making fun of it it's how much we didn't even make fun of it because (laughs) i honestly think the questions there are pretty good and we i don't even look at them well that's an assertion i'd have to have you back up and we don't have any time to do that (laughs) well We'll put that on the secret third the secret episode. Fifth episode? That we don't release to the public. Maybe for patrons, the secret fifth episode. Um, these yeah. these are good. So these are pretty good. Yeah, they are pretty good at pretty good questions, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why sure. I didn't bring them up. Also, we yeah. talked about a lot of other stuff that we didn't, you know, have time to get to it. Um, and just by virtue of the fact that we're at like an hour and a half on this episode Plus. already, proves the fact that there's yeah. so much that we could talk about absolutely yeah it's so good it's it's just phenomenal so buy it Um, buy it buy it i'm gonna say forget about no i'm just kidding uh (laughs) definitely buy it uh i mean if you need a goad to buy it like it's a classic from 100 years ago you can buy it for less than ten dollars probably less than five dollars but like if it were, yeah, I see it at used bookstores for yeah. two or three bucks. All if it were yeah. a new book that was thirty bucks in hardcover, I would still say buy it. Um, and like Michael and Jacob, you have both much more eloquently than I will at this point. Most of a bottle of Old Pultney in, uh, <laughs> be able to say why, but like I agree, buy it if. Anyone listening to this has agreed with anything I've said ever, um, then buy it. Like, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing further I can say about it. Awesome. Um, yeah, excellent. Uh, now at this point, we do still have to introduce the next two books on this podcast. Uh, Michael, would you please do so? Knowing that I have the Amazon package you sent me of the next book, but I have not opened it yet. Oh, I'm glad it was delivered. So, wait, we're doing the one that you're bringing next Yeah, but we're going to talk about that second and the one we're going to do second first. Because I said so. The one (laughs) that I have brought then. Yeah, you know, in reverse order. 
The one that I have brought uh, is a little apropos to some of the discussion that we've had here. Uh, it is Despair yeah. by Vladimir Nabokov. Um, this is the first time I'm bringing Nabokov. I have not read Despair. Uh, he's perhaps most famous for writing Lolita. Uh, however, one of the reasons that I brought Despair is that it's relatively short. Another reason <laughs> that I brought Despair is that Nabokov himself has said somewhere that the main character of this novel is more despicable than Humbert Humbert of so, Lolita. The author himself oh. hates the main character of this novel more than he hates So Humbert you just, really um, just want to like get so, rid of any any listeners that we do have now. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast Stop. is going in a new direction. Let me tell Only you. Only grad students <laughs> 500 years in the future. <laughs> Michael, have you read Pale Fire? No, I haven't. No, it's on my list. Ethan, have you read Pale Fire? No, I've read... Wait. If you is, do Moby wait. Dick or if you do Pale Fire, invite me back, please. Is Pale Fire you. the poem one? Yes. I have read Pale Fire. My favorite narrator of all time. I've Charles Bodkin. Thought about so good. bringing oh. Pale Fire onto this podcast, and we will. If you do, you I'm yes. begging you. Yes, please. Yeah. Begging. All right. Invite me back so I can talk over you and interrupt you yes. and wrest power from you and tell me the three other podcasts are better than mine. Yes. Uh, Michael, a book that's on its way to you, but not to you yet, is the next book we're doing on this podcast, which is Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Reese. I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly. Uh, are either of you familiar with this book? Vaguely familiar. Nope. Wide Sargasso Sea is the unauthorized and unasked for sequel to <laughs> Jane Eyre, oh or prequel goodness. to Jane Eyre, yes. from, from the perspective of the crazy attic wife. That's amazing. Yeah. Rochester's wife, right, when yeah. they were in, um, yes. where were they? Jamaica? No. Was it? Where was it? She's from Jamaica. She appears okay. in the book in England, but she is oh, the gotcha. crazy okay. attic wife there. There's not um, a whole lot of detail given about her in Jane Eyre, if I remember right. No, not a ton. Uh, this book was written... I think my wife has read this novel. You should ask her on, as a guest. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed uh, to that either. We should have more guests. She might be opposed to that. I don't know. I shouldn't offer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't take your offer as binding. Um, <laughs> this book was written in 1960. Since you don't have her locked up in an attic to do whatever you want <laughs> to do, whatever you decide, right? We'll let her decide for herself. No, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no. Thank you for denying that so vehemently, <laughs> to the point that we don't believe you Why? anymore. Why would that happen <laughs> in a world? <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Anyway, yeah. Um, Michael, I haven't ordered this book for you yet, but I will. Uh, I'm proud. I'm going to try to order you the Norton critical edition because okay. there's a lot of cultural and historical context that are very helpful to this one. And I'm not going to tell you to read all of it because I won't, but you probably will anyway. Yeah, and will make me look like me. bad yet again <laughs> on my own podcast. 
<laughs> just it like is the name of the show, Ethan looking bad on his own podcast with Michael in a room with Scotch. And also Jacob sometimes helps Michael make Ethan look bad. It's a real long name and acronym, but here we are. <laughs> that's the that's the trend five hundred years in the future. <laughs> yes. The the uh, fad of having really long titles for things comes back. Yes. 500 years ago it was popular. Oh 500 my years in the future it's going to be popular. You're right. In a yep. Lewis, Sinclair Lewison sense, you're right. <laughs> I didn't want to do that because we will state. Anyway. <laughs> I knocked my microphone over yet again. Um, I feel like that happens at least one once every set of four episodes it does it happened twice this set of four episodes oh, uh, i don't remember yeah because it happened in by force alone part one uh all right anyway uh so the next one we're gonna do is wide sargasso c by gene reese r-h-y-s uh please read along give us your feedback do so in the contact section of tapestryradio.org um if you put Scotch Talk in the subject line, uh, we will see it better. You can tweet us at Room with Scotch on Twitter. I personally am at Bjartlett on Twitter. That's at B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Michael, are you on Twitter? I am at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L <laughs> if you want to find me there. Perfect. Uh, Jacob, are you on Twitter or no? oh i don't even know how to start is there a twitter (laughs) profile that you have that you'd like people to know about or no um well oh 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 wait yes i am oh i forgot uh i think i have one uh Put, I think I've put out into the universe one twit tweet. Yes, twit. One twit. tweet. No, um, twit is right. Which is, it is oh right. okay good. I'll keep using it then. Fiction shark. Is that the fiction okay. shark? Just one. All word. one word. At fiction yes. shark. At Perfect. fiction shark. At yes. fiction shark. Yeah. Following you. Okay. Oh well, I'm gonna have to start. Please. Um, twitting. Yeah, please then. start twitting. That's okay. the verb. Don't it's my whole me. thing. Yeah. Fiction shark. Fiction is a shark. Perfect. Fiction is a shark. Love it. I didn't come up with it. One of one of my um, very talented and genius colleagues at the University of Maine. Did. Nice. Um. Oh, can we plug things? Yeah, plug it. Yeah, please. Is this the time? I'm gonna plug. Yeah, I'm gonna plug time. her book. She has a novel coming out. She created Fiction Shark. She, well, she created the idea that fiction is a shark, and we as a cohort created Fiction Shark. Uh, and uh, her name is Katie Latari. L-A... Oh, I'm going to embarrass myself now. I don't remember if it's two T's or two I's, or two R's. Katie L-A-T-T-A-R-I. Yeah. Yes. You did? Oh. Good. Wow, this internet is remarkable, isn't it? It's real. And she she has a novel um, (laughs) 
<laughs> she has a novel that's already out called American Vaudeville, which is wonderful and brilliant. And she has a new novel coming out uh, in September, I think, called Dark Things I Adore. And okay. it's the book I'm looking most forward to procuring and reading at this point in time. So that is what I'm promoting. Awesome. How do you know this person? We, uh, we went to grad school together at University of Maine. Mm, okay. So we were in a fiction workshop together. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's super cool. Uh, Michael, is there anything you'd like to talk? Wait, did we? We got your yeah, favorite. Okay. Um, I'm at Bartlett on Twitter. I tweet occasionally things about like, people behaving badly in my drive-thru window uh, <laughs> trying to trying to cough their disease onto me um while demanding i treat them like gods uh gods who cough on you and that's yeah uh that's that's the whole thing for me um i'm looking at the script i don't know that's all i i think we're i think we're done um, done. Please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast places. Uh, we don't pay to advertise, and clearly we don't like train ourselves to advertise in any way. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, just do that. If you're getting this podcast. Go back to where you got this podcast and rate and review us, and that helps us. Yeah. And we love if, it. If you've never heard of this podcast, then come on, man. Get in touch. Exactly. Like, and also, how yeah. are you here? How are you here <laughs> an hour and 40 plus minutes into this podcast? That's incredible. You should do a podcast of your own about how you got here. <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, uh, please keep in mind that it's our party, and we'll cry if Sinclair Lewis forces us to. Oh, he will. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.